0: Something to get your blood flow on here a little bit this morning. Uh, we woke up with some expected, unexpected snow stuff on the ground. Yeah, I know you're happy about that. I'm not really happy about that. But what are we going to do? Anyway, uh, we are just thankful to be here this morning. We are thankful to be in God's house. We are just privileged to be able to sing and worship an amazing God. So as we do that this morning, we ask that you're going to join us. We ask we lift your voices up loud for us this morning we're gonna start off with some scripture Isaiah 43 verse 19 says behold I will do something new now it will spring forth will you not be aware of it I will even make a roadway in the wilderness rivers in the desert John 14 12 through 14 truly truly I say to you he who believes in me the works that I do he will do also and greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And Jeremiah 32, 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? Amen.
1: mountains is still being moved. Strongholds are still being loosed. God, we believe it. Yes, we can see that wonders are still what you do. We are here.
0: Chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Sing
1: together. How great the chasm that lay between us how high the mountain i could not find in desperation i turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. then through the darkness your loving tore through the shadows of my soul The work is finished The end is written Jesus Christ, my living Lord. Who could imagine so great a oh mercy, what the heart could
2: fathom such boundless grace.
1: The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin.
2: of his robe filling the temple seraphim stood above him each having six wings with two he covered his face and with two he covered his feet and with two he flew and one called out to another and said holy 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 is the lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory
3: if you would join me in prayer. God, thank you so much for bringing us here today. Thank you, God, for your presence here in this room. Help us to acknowledge that. Help us to learn to worship you properly. God, just show us your way. Uh, God, you bless us so richly. Thank you for what you do in our lives. Thank you for the, those, who are, those who are not well and, and, the, and the lives that you're touching uh, as they're unwell, God, and, and your healing touch. Thank you, God. Thank you for that. Um, and we pray, God, for those that, that, that still need your healing touch. I was reminded this morning how you reach out and touch the untouchable when you walked on the earth. And, uh, God, your healing power is still available. And we need it every day, God, in our lives. So please help us to uh, acknowledge that. Help us to uh, be aware of that. And help us to put ourselves um, in, uh, in touch with you. Thank you, God. And God, um, as we give to you this morning, we pray that we give to you. Not for uh, any other purpose than uh, to further your word and to further your kingdom. God, don't let us uh, don't let us hold back from you what's yours. It's all yours, God. So thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for that our ability to be here and God, we just pray that everything be in your hands this morning and and reach out and touch us and let your spirit be felt here in this room today. Thank you. Amen.
4: Thank you, Joe, and good morning. Nice to see so many of you braved the squall, and uh, it is good to be here. Uh, before I proceed, I have been informed that there is a black Jeep license plate HCC8965 whose alarm is going off. This is where we wait and see who... Amanda! <laughs> Tough break, Amanda. Uh, welcome, guests. <laughs> Uh, we're glad you're here with us today. If you are a guest with us, in the pouch in front of you, there's a little card that looks exactly like this. And on that card, uh, you can put a little bit of your contact information, as much or as little as you want to provide. Uh, we'd love to get to know you. and We'd love to uh, connect with you. So, just a few quick announcements this morning. Harmony Helpers will be putting together care packages for college students and military members who are away from family. Please see your bulletin for more information on that. Harmony Christian School PTO will have a kids' night out, parents' night off fundraiser on Saturday, February 15th to see the flyer in the forest. So I'm very interested in this, by the way. Does anyone know, like, the length of time that I can leave them here, hypothetically? Indefinitely? Four to seven? Four to seven. Hit the early bird special. All right. There will be a... Sh- A strengthened conference for couples the weekend of March 13th. Please see the bulletin for more information and see your bulletin for additional and more detailed announcements. Pastor John,
5: come on up. Okay. Come on down. Yeah, that conference is here, by the way. Dr. Ashley and his wife are team leading that. Should be a lot of fun. And if you guys don't get along, should be fun. If you do get along, should be fun. Either way. Should come yes you 're very enthusiastic. I can tell I have a couple of things well, I always have a couple of things. Thank you all for being here today, in spite of the weather, which really wasn 't all that serious, was it? Now, nah, this is baby stuff this is, this is not real this is not real winter yet uh, we'll we 'll get there. Uh, There's quite a few spaces, though. People didn't make it, but I'm not going to... Everybody feeling comfortable? Everybody comfortable in the room? Because I was going to make you move up close next to me, but I I won't make you. It's like, remember, I used to like to do that, and then people yelled at me, so I don't like being yelled at. Listen, how many of you were at our business meeting last week? Okay. First, I want to apologize that it went on so long. Uh, Didn't see that coming, and... um, That was on me, my bad, not planning ahead in my head, thinking about how we could do that better. In the future, we will. We'll try to make um, financial reports available earlier so we can go over stuff and have all our questions set up so that for the mass of us who stay and have a roast in the oven, uh, we can vote and move along. And uh, so sorry that that happened. And uh, also, uh, a little bit of the, the deer-in-the-headlights look on my part, because I wasn't prepared. Because there were some good things to tell, but I didn't have time. We got our head of school. Kevin will be on the radio soon, PRing the school. And uh, we're working on a video that goes out to our churches, our sister churches, and get some material out. And So there's stuff happening. I have a couple of goals. Uh, as chair, I'd like to make sure we progress to complete fiscal uh, soundness. Financially and clarify our mission. Sounds like something somebody recently mentioned to me, which was good. And so we're, we're trying to move ahead. And where we forgot to mention some of the good things that have happened is the way they had to pull in their belt buckle tight and live on a Spartan budget this last year. And in spite of that, not only is everybody making it happen, but their morale has been going up. And so I'm very encouraged by that, and I'm thankful I'm... I'm uh, yeah, I'm standing up here, happy. Okay? So, the other thing I wanted to mention is thanks to everybody um, who expressed concern, support. People are stepping up to be part of the solution, which is awesome. So, way to go, Harmony. Thank you for those of you who are doing that, okay? I wanted to say thanks. Who's mad at me? Huh? I couldn't hear you. Well, if you feel like it. All right. Yeah, you would say I'm giving you permission. What more do you want? <laughs> All right, this morning, if you would, take your Bible and if you don't have one, you can use the black book in front of you in the in the seat pocket and turn to page 1198 if you're new at this. And um it's it's Hebrews 5 and the text has brought us to this place and so I'm not picking on anybody this morning, okay? I know people are going to say, he's picking on me because he knows about me. And here's the way this works. If the shoe fits, okay, but I didn't have, don't throw it away. If the shoe fits, you, well, you guys are hopeless. So, I don't know about you, anybody, anybody? agitated by the course of events in our nation. I mean, I know people get all worked up. I don't get all worked up. I don't. You know why? Because God is sovereign. He's on the throne. He knows what he's doing. He's got it, whether for good or bad, whether he's judging us or going to rescue us. I don't know how you interpret it all. It doesn't matter. The events of this last week were kind of disconcerting. And um, all I'm saying is, uh, our faith and our hope and our trust had better be in the rock of ages and not on the, not on the uh, planet or our leadership or whatever, although we pray for them, it's the right thing to do, right? But oh my, thank God we know him through the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so I thought about that, and I'm going to read this passage of Scripture to get us started this morning, and then I'd like to ask you, uh, when we do, to stand as we read the Scripture, not not yet, and then remain standing as we pray together, okay? Is that all right? It's all right to read the Bible and pray in church? Everybody's good with that? Okay, all right. And if you're a visitor, you need to know I have a sick sense of humor, so just kind of put that in the hopper and... Maybe you'll make sense out of uh, what I'm sharing today. Hebrews, the fifth chapter, we read it last time, but we just couldn't be done with it. And uh, I'm sorry I was so labor-intensive through the last two weeks, both on theology and then last week trying to impact the person of Jesus who is the hero of this book of Hebrews that we're reading through. And if you're new here, we are preaching through the Bible's ...book called Hebrews in the New Testament. Used to be that was an important thing to do. Churches used to preach through whole books of the Bible. Uh, Not so much anymore. It's mostly topical. But I thought I would go backwards in a good way... ...and just preach through the word... ...because it tends to unpack all kinds of issues for us. So the passage we're in is chapter 5, page 1198... ...if you aren't used to finding your way through the scripture... Chapter 5, down in verse 7. It's the last verse on page 1198 in the black version. So would you stand with me as we read the word of God together? This is speaking of Jesus, who's been exalted as a high priest and the intercessor and the Savior for us. And it tells us this about his coming into the world incarnate. That's what Christmas was all about that we just passed. Verse 7. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he had suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. And all of God's people said... Being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Let's pray together. We sang a lot this morning. I see the Lord on his throne, exalted. Holy and Lord, we acknowledge that that comes out of Your Word, the story of Isaiah. He sees the Lord, His glory, the the uh, the smoke filling the temple, the unapproachable light of a holy, perfect, supreme being that we cannot possibly get our mental hands around. And we didn't talk about the rest of his reaction besides saying holy or hearing the angels singing holy. Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. Lord, I go on record. I stand with my forefather, Isaiah. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. woe is me i've seen the holy one and then lord you speak on behalf of your prophet on behalf of your people and you command an angel to take a coal from the altar and to touch our lips and purify us we were praying this morning in preparation for worship that there are two dimensions In holiness, there are two dimensions in our lives as your followers. There's the removal of sin, but there's also the infusion of who you are into us. We need that. We desperately need it. And we see so little of it in our land today. Just as an act of obedience, God, I want to lift up our rulers today who need grace and wisdom and insight and, may I say, repentance. We act like a bunch of backyard animals scrapping, hardly demonstrating glorious leadership for one of the great countries of history. We need help. So we do what your word says. Pray for kings and those in authority, those who lead us. We pray for help, and we pray for help for us because Lord, we cannot control all of that, but we can control what is in front of us. And we pray in the name of Jesus that our model, the Lord Jesus himself, who is not just an example, but is the intercessor, is the actual savior, the source, the reason for our salvation, and why we can be different. And so we follow his lead. We ask that we might have understanding today, as some of us prayed here last night, that you would bind the enemy who keeps talking stupidness to us, who keeps trying to to dull us and not to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit that you have given to everyone who has put their trust in the Lord Jesus. Break through, Holy Spirit. Build us up in our most holy faith. Encourage those who are... Uh, seeking to please you and continually hear the enemy's theme song that you're no good. Because we know left to ourselves that's true, but we have you. And you are in the business of changing us. And some of us, Lord, you take great delight in. And so, Father, well, you take delight in all your children. I want to be clear about that. But our heart's place where we're seeking after you and just want to make you happy, you couldn't be more delighted Would you bring us into complete alignment with you? We sang a song, take my life and let it be. Consecrated, Lord, to thee. I fear that in the history of our church in America, over the last two plus hundred years, as saints have often sung those words, they've been fibbing a little. And Lord, we want it to be true. Take our lives, let them be, consecrated unto you. Let us be able to move according to the impulse of your Holy Spirit. And thank you for that wonderful gift that you gave us. Jesus said to his disciples, it's to your advantage that I'm going away. They were freaking out. But it was to their advantage that he left because he left us your spirit to give us renewal and to lead us. In fact, we will park on this at the end. All who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are indeed the children of God. So we who have experienced that say, we bless you, we worship you, and we thank you. Help us to do our part to make this world better because we're followers of Jesus. We pray in his great name and ask for your help this morning. And all of God's people said, amen. And you may be seated. And you thought I'd never stop praying. And may I never stop praying, although not right now. I have sometimes uh, interaction with, uh, with parents and um, I've been a parent. In fact, I still am one as far as I can tell. And uh, I love practical questions. When I was younger and I was raising children, a gentleman named James Dobson became quite popular. Anybody remember him? He wrote an excellent book called Dare to, yeah, you guys remember. I think it got thrown in the trash can over the last 30 years. I wish it hadn't, because it had some pretty useful material. And then just to back up what he was saying, he wrote the second book, The Strong-Willed Child, because it seemed like every parent I've ever met has a strong-willed child. Anybody say amen? I, we had five, we had at least one. And um, it was very helpful to learn some parental instruction. Uh, we need instructions, don't we? You buy a new product, you, you buy a microwave, you buy a new stove. They have all these really great instructions like, when you turn the, the burner on, don't put your face on it. Because, you know, all these. you ever read any of the instructions, how absurd they are? You know, when operating this electrical item, don't stand in water up to your ankles. You know, things like that. Sometimes we want what, really? But yeah, really, they have to write some of that stuff. We have, at times, individuals who have to learn lessons the hard way, like the strong-willed child. They're always going to put it to the test, learn it the hard way, whatever it might be happen to be. Some all of you know I right now I've already triggered memories and you've all lost me because you're thinking about some of your family situations, right? Yeah, I remember when. And so do we. Don't touch that. (laughs) Don't put your finger in the light socket. One of the best things I ever learned, and and, uh, if you don't get anything else out of this, if you're raising children today, this is useful. I had to share it recently in my office. You discipline children for rebellion, not for childish foolishness. There's a difference. Spilling milk because you're being goofy, that's not rebellion. That's foolishness. When you've stuck your tongue out and dumped the thing on purpose 12 times, that's rebellion, okay? There's a difference. Everybody with me? Okay, you're not sure why is he teaching this today? Because we're all in the process of learning obedience. We're all in that process. And um, it's interesting, is it not, that the language of the text that we look at, in fact, I'm going to ask Ryan if you'd put that verse, the first part, up again. In the days of his flesh he offered up prayers, supplications with loud crying and tears to one able to save him from death. He was heard because of his piety. I'm going to talk about that word in a couple of minutes. Although he was a son, in fact, that's not a good translation. I'm going to pick on bad translations today just for the fun of it. It really is, there's no A there. Because he was the son. The son of God, second person of the Trinity, even though he's God in the flesh, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Holy mackerel. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Now, he didn't learn it the same as we do, and we'll unpack that. F.F. Bruce, the great uh, uh, commentator, says, we learn to be obedient because of the unpleasant consequences which follow disobedience. But it was not so with him it was not so with him he was willing to obey he is the son of God there's always been a famous theological debate could Jesus sin yes they say yes he could how could he sin he was God Well, no But how could he be completely human if he couldn't make that choice I mean guess what we're not going to solve it today sorry but the point is He is under submission to the Lord Jesus. He experientially learned, like I talked about grabbing electricity by accident, how suddenly I learned what power electricity had. He experienced and learned what obedience to God costs in the human sphere. Get that. He learned what it costs to obey God in the human sphere. We do also. That's part of our sanctification. Let me illustrate for a moment. He was heard because of this piety. Very interesting word. It's a word for, compl- uh, for oh, awe, being in awe. It could be translated fear, but the typical word for fear in the Scripture, which is even used in reference to God, and we hate this, but it is used in reference to God, is the word phobia. It's the Greek word phobos. You know, phobic. That's where it comes from. That's not this word this word is to be in awe this word is to be in reverence submission to have the appropriate demeanor it's like when you're in front of your boss and your job might be on the line you have an appropriate demeanor reverence submission here's a good word compliance He chose to comply. Let's unpack it. Last week, we just referenced this. I know I had too much. I overloaded you. Uh, I apologize. Um, In the days of his... No, no. Go to... uh, I'm sorry, brother. Can we go to that Matthew text? This is what happened in the garden. This is a reference. When we read this passage, in the days of his flesh and his agony, it goes back to Gethsemane. He went a little beyond them. He fell on his face and prayed, saying, Father, if it is possible, let this pass... From me, what? The cross. If I don't have to go through this mess, it's going to be brutal. And remember, it wasn't just the physical thing. It was the cosmic weight of the sin of the world, which would mean alienation from his father. That's what he would experience. And so he goes on. Yet not I as I will, but as thou wilt. He went away again a second time and prayed. This is after he finds his disciples sleeping. Second time he prays, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, thy will be done. Thy will be done. There's the compliance. People say, did he get his prayer answer? He didn't ask to get delivered. He asked for God to be glorified by the sacrifice of himself to rescue the world. That's why he came into the world. He's asking God for strength to finish the job and rescue us. And brothers and sisters, we also learn obedience. To finish the job he's given us in this life. There's a job. Did you know you all have a job? I mean, I know you have a job. I'm talking about for God. I think it was uh, one of our elders, Corey. I'm not picking on anybody, but I think it was one of our elders who spoke about good works that we were created beforehand to do, didn't you? I'm going to close on. I'm going to use his sermon again. That's how lazy I am. I just took his sermon. I'm using it again, but it's going to take a few minutes to get there. This obedience, this learned obedience, we experientially learn and grow because of it. Let's talk about the big picture. Number one, if you're a fill-in person, if you have your, um, your uh, uh, it's called a bulletin, thank you very much. If you have a bulletin, your first fill-in there is obedience that sanctifies. What does that mean? Makes us more holy, makes us more like Jesus. If we obey... We're, we're cooperating with the grace of God and the Spirit in us to move us toward Christ-likeness. We learn and experience obedience by enduring. Remember the context. The author of Hebrews is concerned that these uh, Jewish believers, n- newer believers but well-taught in Old Testament teaching are going to back off from their commitment to Jesus because it's possible that some persecution might break out. And so in light of that, he's going to say these words later in chapter 12. I'm just going to give you a preview of the end of the book. Chapter 12 says this. You've not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. Does that make sense now? When you read that passage cold, you go, what does that mean? Well, it means... Other brothers and sisters have followed Jesus even to the death if necessary. That's not happened to you in your striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. By the way, this is out of Proverbs 3. My son or daughter, don't regard lightly the discipline of the Lord or faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son or daughter whom he receives. And all of us said, yay, It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as children. For what child is there whom his father does not discipline? If he doesn't, he doesn't care about you. If he loves you, he cares about you. I love my kids. I cared about them. I disciplined them. Some I had to discipline more than others. Some we weren't sure we were going to survive. But we did. And it all turned out well. God deals with us as children. So when we face pressure and problems or whatever it might be, God is making us more like who? Come on, it's not a trick question. More like Jesus. So, obedience that sanctifies. What are you talking about? Well, I'll tell you. I love um, the writings, and some of you have read his story of um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. This is his book, The Cost of Discipleship. When Christ calls a man, he says he bids him to come and die. It may be a death like that of the first disciples who had to leave home and work to follow him. That's what we just read about in chapter 12, or it might be like Luther. Martin Luther, the founder of the Reformation, who had to leave the monastery and go out into the world. But it is the same death every time, death in Jesus Christ, death of the old man at his call. Jesus summons the rich young man, Jesus summons to the rich young man, sell what you have and come follow me, was calling him to die. Because only the man, you better hear this, Only the man or woman who is dead to his own will can follow Jesus. Ooh, ow. Are you telling me this is like all or nothing? Yes. That's the call of Jesus on our life. Do we wonder why the church struggles? Some people are treated as worthy of the highest form of suffering, he says. He gives them the grace of martyrdom, while others he does not allow to be tempted above what they are able, but it is the one and the same cross in every case. I have to obey. I have to die die to my own will. Let's get get a couple of examples here for a second. So I bring it down into our shoe leather. You know, Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. Anybody ever read that? You know, the... uh, Beatitudes, blessed are they who blah 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 later on. Uh, I say to you, you've heard hate your enemies, blah blah. I'm saying to you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, right? Forgive, show love. That that would be a great sermon in Congress right now, I think. <clears throat> Sorry, I digressed. God commands this, loving our enemy. Sanctification, becoming more like him, that cost me because I've got to, as the words of Ben Hur in the original Charlton Heston version, it's as though he took the sword from my hand to forgive his enemy. I'm gonna lay down the sword. I don't wanna lay down the sword. I wanna stick it right through him because he deserves it and you may be right. What you haven't seen is maybe you deserve it too. There's the other side. But even if you're the innocent, of, as innocent as the driven snow, it's the call of Jesus on my person to die to my flesh in my own way. Christianity is not just a bunch of don't do this, it's also do's. And I think we miss an awful lot of that. We're so busy not doing what we think is wrong. Although, yeah, anyway. I remember Dr. Ashley used as an illustration that he had tried to apply for a certain organization. He got turned down. He had his, his uh, desires dashed to the ground, if you will. When I was graduating from seminary, um, I, I had applied to come back to my home state of New York to do new church planting with a mission organization related to the conservative Baptists. And all of my professors, after I had interviewed and been effectively turned down, my professors were like, it was such a shock. They were like, you're you're jerking me around, right? You're you're kidding me. This didn't really, no, I'm trying to explain to them this really happened. Right at the moment that that occurred, when I got the no, because I, you know, I'm, yeah, there you go. They knew, they knew better than me. I wasn't gonna do a very good job. You hear me? I had a choice to praise God and rejoice and choose to trust that God knew what he was doing or to be a cranky little brat. I had a choice. You want to know what I chose? (laughs) See, you all thought I was going to be a cranky brat. No, that was one of my victories. I've had two in my life, and that was one of them. Praise the Lord, Lord, right? I, I knew right then you have a choice. And my wife was crying as we're driving away from the interview and I'm saying, God's in this, God's in this, and he was in it because he diverted that track, sent me to a little nowhere church in south part of Tucson where I learned incredible lessons in the power of the spirit. Totally changed my life. Would have been a mistake to have a hissy fit and insist on what was not meant to be. Listen, once in a while we get it right. How many tests have we failed, right? Ooh, I didn't do so well on that one. Forgiveness, or choosing to trust that God is sovereign in this circumstance, or get up and do something for Jesus, like serve in some way. Thanks for those who step up to help us in numerous things whether it's the school or in junior church or whatever it might be, actually we need help in the nursery. So things like that, I'll I'll go work there next week. Um, Don't laugh at me. I love this book, Uh, I've recommended it before, Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. Talking about the spiritual disciplines. Following Jesus in the practice of servanthood. You see, sitting and taking only, It's not the will of God for your life. Richard Foster writes this, and you might remember. One of the hardest things in the world is to stop being the prodigal without turning into being the elder brother. More than any other single way, the grace of humility is worked into our lives, which, by the way, is the spirit of Jesus. I am lowly and humble of heart. Take my yoke upon you. We miss that. One of the ways grace of humility is worked into our lives is through the discipline of service, serving other people. Nothing disciplines the inordinate desires of the flesh like service, and nothing, did you hear that? It disciplines the inordinate desires of our flesh. I would rather sit and watch TV all day. How about you? Maybe not, but something like that. You have your own catnip, whatever it is. I'd rather do that all day. Serving disciplines my flesh. And nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like serving in hiddenness. Hiddenness. Secret service. Remember when Jesus said, Don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing? You know, when you're giving. That's what he's talking about, is not this. Did you know that I, yeah. And boy, I wish I could say I've walked that one perfectly. How about you? The flesh whines against service, but it screams against hidden service. It strains and pulls for honor and recognition. It is a sanctifying thing that happens if I will learn. See, those things that Jesus has commanded teach me obedience. A learned obedience that sanctifies me makes me more like the Lord Jesus. And so the writer of Hebrews says to these readers, obedience will cost you, and it'll cost us, but it's worth it. Here's what he says in, uh, let's see, this would be chapter 6, it's coming up. But, beloved, he's, he's exhorting them, but he says, we are convinced of better things concerning you, and get this, the things that accompany salvation. Though we are speaking in this way, we're sounding ferocious, but we trust the grace of God in you, is what he's saying. For God is not unjust, so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name, in having ministered and in still ministering. Leave that up for a second, Ryan. In having ministered and in still ministering to the, what does it say? Who are the saints? Yes, it's us, not the little statues on your dashboard. It's us. He will not forget your work and the love which you have shown, ministering and ministering to the having done it and still doing it. Who are you ministering to? every one of you who thinks you're a Christian, who are you ministering to? Who? Who? Uh, you don't have to answer here because there will be a test late. No, so you get my point. This, this passive, well, I haven't heard anything. Well, get up and do something. See what happens. Ministering to saints. I love, last week, we we visited somebody, brought communion to a, a shut-in sister and People are in this person's life ministering. I love watching that. It's so fun, you know? I don't have to do it all. My staff do it, elders in the church do it. Other people are out ministering. Ah, there is somebody on my list. Isn't that encouraging? Don't you see? That encourages us. Okay. Remember, one of my very favorite, I haven't, well, let me finish this text. I'll finish this text. Keep my ADD in check. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence. So, in other words, he's challenging them. Make sure you don't slide back and sit on the couch permanently. Liz, it's okay to sit on the couch and have your catnip once in a while, okay? It's okay. Everybody get me? God is not a killjoy. Forget you. It was not a killjoy. But who am I ministering to? We desire each one of you to show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. We should be blessed. We're going to get to that in a minute. That you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Faith, belief, patience, great word. Greek word, macrothumia. Macro, macro, big. Thumia, thumas. Anger, rage, uh, heat, anger, thumas, thermal, you know, all that, hot. It means a slow burner. I wish I was more of a slow burner. You know what I'm talking about? By being a slow burner, patience. How do you tick him off? Ah, It takes a long time because he's patient. It means patience with difficulty. It means endurance when it gets rough, it's stick-to-itiveness. Faith, believing, and exercising patience is part of the obedience that sanctifies me and makes me more like the Lord Jesus. The encouragement in this text is that we're manifesting what's normal for people who follow Christ. So that's the first part. The obedience that sanctifies. The next part is the obedience that justifies. Okay, so that's your next fill-in. You all know that uh, I want to be really clear about this because people are probably processing right now, so how do I become a Christian? How do I become a Christian? Conversion, becoming a Christian, and every one of you who's been born again, you've been converted, is a combination of repentance and faith. I repent of that, having my own will run my life, and I turn this way and I put my trust in the person of Jesus. Conversion. It's repentance and faith. And when I exercise true faith, there's a connection with this subject called obedience. The obedience, like I don't grit my teeth and earn salvation, you'll never do it. You understand that? That's what the gospel's all about. But what Bonhoeffer's yelling about is that we take grace for granted and assume that we've really got it, when maybe we don't. Let me illustrate. The obedience that justifies. First, it sanctifies, but we're in. We're in. It started when you got justified, and I need to unpack this a little bit. Last week, we quoted John 3.16, Right? Everybody, just about everybody knows that as a, as a... Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he... That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen, right? Great verse. Do you know what happens at the end of the chapter? John preaches his way through the end of that chapter, and he talks about this subject... John 3.36 He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life Whoa, oh That's bad, so we don't want to talk about that Okay I'm being But the wrath of God abides on him Look at what it says He that believes on the Son hath everlasting life He that believeth not the Son shall not see life I'm just going to point out I'm doing my devotions in the King James Bible personally, so I have nothing against it. I'm just telling you that that translation is wrong. Let me go to the next one. Let's look at our usual NASV, the one that's in your hand, if you took the one out of the chair. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not, what? Obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. What? As they say. What? Because there's two different words. I don't know why the King James translated it, belief, belief, believe and believe not. The word is belief, pisto, that's the Greek word. This second word is a different word. Apatheo, to refuse. Look at the next version. This is the New Jerusalem Bible. Anyone who believes in the Son has eternal life. Anyone who what? Oh, so you mean there's some kind of stubbornness involved. Oh, it's not just, oh, I just, I just don't know. I don't understand. It's not, it's, this is not about the honest questioner. There are honest questioners who don't. This is about, I don't want to listen. This is about the deep down realization that our flesh knows that Jesus has a right to demand my all, and he ain't having it. They who refuse. Willful resistance, disobedience. It's a rebellion. It's an inner thing that happens, which now brings us back to a passage we already passed in Hebrews chapter 3 that says this. You'll remember this. Who did he swear that they could not enter his rest? What was rest? It's a picture of heaven. Who couldn't get in there? It was a long list of the rebellions in in the story of the Exodus, right? It's an all-long list. Whom did he swear could not, but to those who were what? Disobedient. And so we see they were not able to enter because of their disobedience. Oh, no, it doesn't say that. By the way, same word. Same word as the Gospel of John. Same word. They were not able to enter because of refusal to believe what God had said. Does that make sense? There's a will issue involved. So these Jews that came out of, um, out of Egypt, they were part of the family of God, but they were not saved. Just like happens in churches. Part of the covenant community, raised in it, maybe joined the church, what I don't know, but not born from above, not saved. Belief and obedience, this is a famous line, are two sides of the same coin. One coin, two sides, faith and obedience. Two sides of the same coin. See if I can find my notes here. I know I have them. I already read this book and here it is. Mr. Lane's commentary on the book of Hebrews makes this statement and I love it. It's talking about Jesus learning obedience he followed through on what he was commanded. he read it out of the out of the psalms. he knew, knew or out of Isaiah that he was going to be the suffering suffering servant. he was going to be the lamb as a, uh, brought uh, to death like a lamb unto the slaughter, all of that. He actively obeyed God when he offered himself for us. He experienced fully the significance of obedience. It is as the obedient one. That he has been exalted and has become the source of an eternal salvation for those who obey him. And here is the line The description of the church as the company of the obedient is appropriate in the light of the perfect obedience of Christ, the Lord of the church. Well, that didn't fly too high, did it anyway? The description of the church as the company of the obedient is appropriate in the light of the perfect obedience of Christ the Lord of the church. I never heard the church called that very often, the company of the obedient. I mean we know we have obedience to the scripture and there are things that the scripture does reveal but I personally think it's interesting that there's not only the word that has coached us but we have the spirit prodding us and speaking to us and trying to woo us and help us to follow him the company of the obedient we prefer legalism it's a lot easier it is anybody know the five pillars of islam islam means submission it's very simple submit First, I make a profession of faith. There is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. Then I pray five times a day. I give alms. I fast when I'm told to fast, and I try to make a pilgrimage, at least one in my life. If I do those things, I'm good to go. It doesn't matter how much I hate people. It doesn't matter what gets changed inside. It works. And I'd love to say that churches don't do similar things, but they do, right? We have our little rules. We have... I go to church, I do my devotions, I'm in a Bible study, I listen only to Christian music, I put my kids only in the Christian school, I go to a Christian camp, I go on a Christian cruise, I go, I go, I go, and I'm good because I did all of that stuff. And we think that listening and taking and learning and doing those things is changing us. I hope it is. I hope it is. But I've seen an awful lot of it not change people for the better. Just being blunt, and I know I'm meddling and I don't care. Here's some of the issue. <clears throat> I want to make sure I get this right here. This is page 75. This was Pastor Tim's discovery in The Cause of Discipleship by um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Is it great? When people complain, for instance, that they find it hard to believe, it is a sign of deliberate or unconscious disobedience. Why? I already said that, so it shouldn't be new. You should be already in awe of my brilliance. (laughs) But anyway, be that as it may. It is all too easy to put them off by offering the remedy of cheap grace, but that only leaves the disease as bad as it was before. So unbelief thrives on cheap grace for it is determined to persist in disobedience Clergy frequently come across cases like this nowadays. This is back a few years, but you know what? Nowadays still works. The outcome is usually that self-imparted absolution confirms the man in his disobedience and makes him plead ignorance of the kindness as well as of the commandment of God. He complains that God's commandment is uncertain and susceptible of different interpretations. In other words, I'm off the hook because I can't, Nobody knows really what that means. Well, we know what it doesn't mean, and we do know that there's areas of obedience. But I'm off the hook. That's the idea. One can imagine him conversing thus with his pastor. I've lost faith that I once had. You must listen to the word as, as it is spoken to you in the sermon. The person responds, I do, but I cannot get anything out of it. Sorry if that's true this morning. It just falls on deaf ears as far as I'm concerned. The pastor responds, the trouble is you don't really want to listen. He responds, on the contrary, I do. And there, it usually ends. You're at an impasse, right? The pastor is at a loss, what to say next? He forgets this proposition, only those who believe obey. But this does not help, for faith is just what this particular person finds impossible. The pastor feels himself confronted with the ultimate riddle. Is this guy in or out? Predestination, we don't even wanna to touch that. Oy! But the pastor should give up arguing with him and stop taking his difficulty seriously. So next time you've come for counseling, when you see me switch, you know what's happening. Stop taking it seriously. That will really be in the man's own best interest for he's only trying to hide himself behind them. Only those who obey believe. The pastor can continue. You're disobedient. You are trying to keep some part of your life under your own control. Ow. There it is. I hate this guy. You're trying to keep some part of your life under your own control. That is what is preventing you from listening to Christ and believing in his grace. You cannot hear Christ because you are willfully disobedient. Somewhere in your heart, you are refusing to listen to his call. Your difficulty is your sins. Let me ask you something. Do you think the Bible says God is for us? Okay, then, is he for us? Okay, then who's against us? We are, yes, the enemy and us, ourselves, like that. We prefer a simple rule book. Do this, rather than learning the discipline of hearing the Spirit. So let's look at the last thing and I'll be quiet. Obedience that witnesses, or let's put it this way obedience that comforts us, it witnesses to us. Let me show you this verse. I love this. I said we would come back to it. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves. You don't have to have more rules and regulations and go backwards. How many people have turned their back on the gospel because they've been dumped on with all kinds of rules that have nothing to do with the Bible? By the way, I'm the worst pastor you could have ever hired. I've told people. I I think you may be in the right... If you want these rules and regulations and you're so sure you're right about this, this may not be the right church for you. Sometimes they listen. They didn't come back. What a rotten pastor. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children. You're not to be slaves again so that you live in fear... I was talking with a brother about how much fear drove ministry in this place in the past. Fear, I'm going to get in trouble. Rather than the Spirit you received, brought about your adoption, the sonship, sonship by Him. We cry, Daddy, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies, bears witness with our spirit that we are who God's. Jo- Isn't that good news? The Spirit bears witness. Interesting word testifies uh, to martyr. That's the word from which we get martyr. That's what a witness is. The martyrs are witnesses, and this is witness together, martyr together. He witnesses. My spirit and the spirit of God agree, and there's a sense. you ever hear that in church, sir? Can I get a witness? Uh, You don't get out enough. Okay, given your permission to check it out. So I want to go back to Elder Corey's exhortation, if I can find my notes. Here we go. He was talking about obedient disciples, and if I'm a disciple that's pressing into obedience and trying to make application, I'm going to experience some of this. He was talking about the good works that are the will of God for us to walk in them, planned from the past. How do I get in it? He gave us these points. Learning, God's will, is a process of discovery. Just like the days before power steering. You remember how easy it is to turn the wheels on a car without power steering? It's easier if you're moving. Easier if you're moving forward to say, I'm I'm willing to learn, I'm willing to serve, I'll try something. The process of discovery... And Here's what you do. You apply biblical wisdom. Of course, what the scripture says, I take to heart. That should be a given. If I have to argue with you about what the scripture says, I think Bonhoeffer's exhortation applies to you. There's a rebellion. No deal. But if I'm hungry for God, if I'm wanting to know his will, I start moving, I apply biblical wisdom, I agree with what I'm counseled out of the scripture, and I do it in, here's a key phrase, community. This is community among the saints. Nothing will teach you patience and grace and change you and sanctify you quite like rubbing shoulders with other human beings. And all of God's people said, (laughs) "Oi!" And we said, well, no, all they do is make me mad. Don't you get it? There's the problem. Something he wants to change. Process of discovery, applying biblical wisdom. Thank you for this, by the way, helping me finish my sermon. I I appreciate it. Applying biblical wisdom in a community Oh, and sprinkle in ministry, trial, and error. You may discover this doesn't work. That does. I like this. This breathes life into me. This doesn't. But find what God made you to do to most important days in your life, the day you were born, and the second one is the day you discovered why you were born. Really, they left out. That was Mark Twain. They left out getting born again. That's really the most important. And then... Knowing why you were born, what does God want to do with my life? There are things He expecting me to participate in. And the church is still here on the planet for that very reason that we can discover it and live it out. You're awfully quiet this morning. Must be the snow. Except for that. I'm not here. I'm not available right now. That was perfect timing because I usually like to ask if there's questions, but I don't know. Maybe there are, maybe I confused somebody. I couldn't tell you. Any questions? Ma'am. Okay, so the question is, uh, the verse that provoked her question was uh, in Matthew And you heard it from Billy Graham, so we know it's good. (laughs) No man can serve two masters for either hate one, cleave to the other, or despise the other, and back, back, back. And it's really in the context of money, by the way. It's about worshiping mammon. And uh, so it's either all gods. Yeah. So there is no in-between. So when it comes to obeying and my personal commitment to Christ, he's expecting us to be all in. He's expecting us to have both feet. We talked last night in prayer about we like to like put our toe in the water and it's like, oh, this is kind of fun what's going on at Harmony right now. Isn't there? Ooh, I feel a little energy of the Holy Spirit here. And God's not interested in you sticking your toe in and having a good time. And both feet in. That's obedience. Now, the issue of neutrality. I can't be neutral with God. I've got to be on his side. The problem becomes in all the details of life, we can't possibly know everything. What is God's perfect will in every situation? So there's vast areas of gray where we just have to be committed to him personally, and we have to trust the spirit to direct us. We can get the wisdom and live in community and walk through all that and decide this is the way we should go, but there are areas of conscience that I can't dictate to another person, and they shouldn't try to dictate to me, but there are things that are biblically clear that I ought to obey because I follow him directly. I don't know if that helps. Because some things I don't, you know, there are things that are, well, David said, too wonderful for me, I can't figure out how how to run the country, for example. I can't figure that out. I'm not sure what the best choices are. I'm always amazed how brilliant people are. They got all the best choices figured out. But it doesn't always work that easily, right? So if that's what you're referring to. Unless it's an inner struggle, you know, between do I want to be all in or not? If you're, if you're, if a person, here's the bottom line, if a person is born again, they're part of the obedient crowd. Can they slide backwards? Can they make mistakes? Can we drag our feet? Yes, class, and we all... But what we did what we tend to do is excuse people who are constantly sliding back, not even in the camp. We're saying, Well, they made a profession of faith there and that's that's what Bonhoeffer is pushing back against, and that's what this, the gospel pushes back against, is that either I'm born again and the, look at did Jesus learn obedience? He obeyed his father. Who's in me? The Holy Spirit, who is Jesus. So the spirit of Jesus is in me. How could he possibly be wanting to be disobedient? If Jesus is obedient, that's what he's trying to bring out of me. Is it a struggle? Yes. Are there difficulties? Yes. Do I get it right all the time? No. I wish I did, but I don't, right? But that's where, that's where we rely on the true grace of God. Thank you for that, that buffer and that cleansing. Did you have a question or a comment? Mr. Barubi. oh, I thought I saw your hand. I mean, I feel like Billy Graham. I see that hand. Come? Don't worry about your friends. They'll wait on you. I'm going to have a prayer with you. And... Yeah, no, never mind. No other? Uh, I think we're good because our time is up, and I don't want to abuse you two weeks in a row. That would be awful. We'd be happy to pray with you, talk with you, whatever. Feel free to come up after. Let's stand together and be closed in prayer. We want to thank you, King Jesus, for being the captain of our salvation and the author of our salvation, the source of our salvation, and the one who helps us grow and learn obedience. I think, uh, I think Sabrina's question is in everybody's heart. How obedient do I have to manifest to make sure I'm in? Lord, the Holy Spirit already witnesses when we've delighted in doing your will and we've sensed that accomplishment you continue to witness to us that we're your children. And we bless you for that. It brings us joy to obey. And that's the the fun part. And so, Lord, in Jesus' name, we're asking for a work of the Spirit to continue. Holy Spirit, you've been striving with us at Harmony. You're, You're longing to take over and break through. And I'm asking that you don't back off. Please don't back off. Even if the weather stinks, please don't hold us back. We want to hear from you. We want to follow you. We want to see you accomplish things that glorify you and expand your kingdom right here. In the name of Jesus, we pray and all of God's people said, Amen. amen. God bless you and have a safe day.